Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love. And we are joined by parenting coach and postnatal doula, doula. You could be a postnatal doona. You're so nice and warm and snuggly. I'd love a doona right now. (laughs) Postnatal doula Karina Lane is here to answer your questions. Um, This is everything from babies who aren't sleeping properly to toddlers who may be misbehaving as toddlers are wont to do. There are a number of ways you can get in touch with us. You can pop your questions below if you're watching us live via Facebook or if you're part of our helpline group on Facebook, you can post your questions there. If you're listening to us via the podcast, you can write your questions below live. Now, how are you, Karina? I'm good. I'm really cold, but I'm fine. Um, School holidays finished today, so tomorrow (laughs) will be even better. I know, I know, right. Okay, well, let's get cracking and get into these questions. We have one from Emma. She says... Uh, she's from Facebook Live. She says, how do I toilet train a three-year-old that absolutely does not want anything to do with it? She won't use a potty or a kitty seat. I've even tried a camping toilet. She won't budge. Please help with any tips or advice. I think that's, that's tough because I'm sure you've probably been waiting for this time where you can start freeing yourself of nappies. Um, but from, unfortunately, if the if your toddler or preschooler isn't up for it, it's really not going to go very far. Is he going to end up with a battle of wills um, and create more stress? And stress is really kind of the nemesis of toilet training for either party. Um, so I guess my advice really is just to hold back, let them do their thing. Maybe there's some more processing to do kind of mentally before um, they start getting um, into the practical side of things. So I would say pull back on it you know kind of no pressure no um maybe even just give it a break for a couple of weeks the whole topic altogether and then maybe go in like still you can still keep the topic alive but without kind of um getting into the actual training side of things um you know make toilet talk very uh, a common feature in your house so it's no big deal wheeze and poos whatever it is make it just kind of a um very easygoing normal part of daily life um, so that your child can see that you guys are doing it, it's no big deal. Um, and then maybe go in in a couple of weeks, give it a, you know, give it a bit of time um, before trying again and keeping it nice and casual, no pressure. It's totally fine. Look, three is still quite average. It can be after three, um, after three years for toilet training. It's not a stress, not a drama. Um, there's really no point in starting it if they're point blank refusing. Um, that's just, it's not going to get very far. So I would say pull back, keep it casual and try again in a couple of weeks with a nice, gentle, easygoing approach. Okay. This one comes from Serena. She says, I'm hoping one of your lovely experts can help my husband and I with our 11-month-old baby girl. For the past few months, she's become clingier and clingier towards me and just hates to have her dad help her with anything. From nappy changes to bath time, getting dressed, feeding, strapping in the car seat or pram, she just wails and calls for me the whole time. She does enjoy playing with him on the floor, but the minute he tries to do anything else such as feed her lunch or put her down for her nap she loses it and wails for mama it's really getting my husband down as he'd love to be more involved in every aspect of caring for our baby girl but she makes it that very hard he feels that he's distressing her so much that he should give up and leave her to me which hurts both our hearts i'm still breastfeeding which i know brings a strong bond with my baby girl but how can we get her to embrace her daddy too thanks for any tips 
Oh, bless. That must mm. be very tough for Dad. Um, and it's beautiful that he wants to be more involved and I can imagine how upsetting and it can feel very rejecting, I suppose, for him. Um, look, at this, at this age, she's probably, probably still um, in a bit of separation anxiety mode, so wanting to be with you, you know, like you say, very normal, um, best... It will pass, like this stage where she has to be with you. Um, so I would say, you know, maybe um, ease back on the expectations to get Dad involved in, like, you know, the uh, daily part, daily activities that you're wanting him to get involved in. I think it's great that he's playtime Dad, so playing on the floor is great. Do more of that and let them both enjoy that together. Um, and I would say as the weeks go on, maybe get him to take take part in activities rather than hand bump over to dad and say, okay, you're doing, dad's going to do your feed or dad's going to do bedtime tonight. Maybe make dad part of it rather than remove you altogether because bub's going to freak out at that and then the whole situation is going to become very tense again. Um, so I would say, yes, let dad play lots and lots on the floor. Really make that a big thing. That can be when you step out of the room even um, so bub can get used to just being a one-on-one. -on -one. And as far as all those other activities go, some are just always going to be you for a while anyway, especially breastfeeding. Um, but when you want dad involved, like with bath time or bedtime, maybe just make it the two of you being involved. So the time will come when you can step back and take a break and let dad take the reins. But at the moment, Bob's in a stage, and it's all about stages at this age. Uh, won't last forever. She's not going to have, it's not going to be a rejection, rejecting dad state of affairs for a long time. Um, but at this time, consider it a bit of a transient um, stage where she is going to want you more. Um, I would say, don't worry, it will pass. But in the meantime, just make it nice and casual and get dad involved with you rather than instead of you. I hope that helps. This question comes from Meg. Hi guys, I'm hoping you can help me with a bit of a sensitive topic. My three-year-old son has his hands permanently down his pants. Well, it seems that way. Usually when he's bored or sitting still, watching TV, during bedtime stories in the car, in creeps the hand. I know it's normal at this age, but it seems a bit excessive and I'm concerned about hygiene. We wash hands before eating, of course, but still yuck. And soon enough, it will not be socially acceptable for him to be touching himself as we walk down the supermarket aisles, etc. So I'd love any tips to help minimize it without shaming him or making a big deal of it. Is there anything I can do? Oh, bless. I can so imagine being a three-year-old boy and discovering what's in my pants and it just being quite, <laughs> just, it, it's there all the time. It's a play, play thing for you whenever you need it, which is kind of <laughs> an ongoing theme, I think. Um, look, yeah, as you say, very normal behaviour, um, you know, and I love that you're not in, you don't want to shame him, but you just kind of want to kind of keep it under control, which is all very understandable. Um, I would say, yeah, by all means, you know, let, let him experiment with himself. That's totally fine. But something you can do is maybe just have a chat to him about, um, you know, what's what's inside your pants is, is for you and, and that's for a private space. So for your bedroom or for the toilet, that's fine, but not in front of people, um, you know, without making it a big deal, but maybe just um, gently kind of put that boundary in place. Um, you know, by all means, let him touch. That's totally fine. So we're not shaming him. We're not saying that's naughty or anything like that. But we're saying, look, that's totally fine. But that's for, that's a bedroom activity. Remember, we talked about that. Um, so he can kind of put those put those boundaries on himself. Um, as far as the supermarket and doing it in public places goes, I know that's really horrifying to imagine. What I find, if you can do that boundary setting at home, uh, what I find is that, as well as kind of realizing that no one else is doing it will kind of help him control that behaviour in a public setting. Um, that's the good thing about daycare centres 
and, and other places where um, other people are involved that kind of it's kind of the social expectations kind of do their job so yeah rest assured he I'm sure he won't become um, too obvious in doing that in a public setting I think that will take care of itself yeah this question comes from Jane on Facebook Live. Hi, Jane. She says, we have a three-year-old who used to have terrible night terrors and can be a sleepwalker. He's now gotten into the habit of coming into our room each night around 3 a.m. and sleeping with us. At first, I didn't mind, but now it's becoming quite draining with the constant disruption to our sleep. Do you have any tips on for the best way to stop this habit? Thanks. Oh, bless. Um, it Night terrors aside, this age, two to three and a half or so, is just rife with toddlers wandering around and wanting to get into their parents' bed, which is funny because we spend so much time in the first couple of years getting the sleep training, right, and getting them to sleep through in their own beds, and then they just kind of undo all that because they want um, they want to be with their parents. And I get this all the time on calls with mums and dads. Um, so, And my advice is always the same, really. Like, it's an emotional thing, so emo um you know, at around this age, sleep disruptions are usually about emotional causes. Um, so it's kind of uh, responding to whatever that need is. And if that's a need to be with you guys, then we kind of have to just figure out the best way to do that because we don't want you to be drained and have your sleep interrupted either. So my my go-to is to set up the little bed that I call it, which is basically if you've got a cot mattress lying around or some sort of single bed mattress that you can squeeze into your room on the floor, um, that can become his little bed, so his little secure base, so that he doesn't even need to necessarily wake you up. Um, you can even set that up together and explain, look, if you get up in the night, you don't have to wake up mummy and daddy, your bed's right here. You know, set it up with a teddy and, his, and another pillow and so that he's part of it and can and is, um, has a nice positive association with it. And then that can be his little bed, so he will use, he can use that at night without disturbing you too much, and hopefully that will work. Um, you know, when he's old enough, you can move him back into the, you know, if it becomes an issue, you know, you can undo this. It's not going to be a rod that you created or rod in your back or anything like that. Um, it's definitely something you can undo, but there's no point forcing you to stay in bed at this stage if there's still emotional things going on. And the fact that, you know, he's prone to night terrors and all this stuff, he's obviously a little bit anxious when it comes to sleep. So hopefully the little bed solution can work for you. Um, I promise you, you know, I reckon probably 80 to 90% of parents have this same situation going on. So it's, no, it's not, nothing you need to worry about in terms of that you know kind of refusal to sleep in their own bed i think my sister used to call it a nest she used to do oh, it inside her bed and it was a nest so she was oh, nice. my niece was very excited about sleeping in the nest yeah yeah come up with a name like it could be you know the superhero bed or you know the bat cave whatever it is just whatever's going to work for for the child is fine as long as parents get sleep too everyone wins <laughs> that's right that's what we want everyone sleeping this comes from Ruby. My almost four-year-old is fully toilet trained during the day, but she still wears a pull-up at night. There are no signs of bladder control when she's sleeping, and she usually wakes up with a full nappy in the morning. I know that nighttime toilet training can take a while, but my husband is worried we should be doing something about it. I'm just not sure she's ready. We do limit drinks in the hour before bedtime, but should we be doing something to facilitate things, such as waking her up to use the toilet through the night? I really don't want to mess with her sleep routine. We had quite a battle to get her to sleep in her own bed last year, and I can't tell you how hesitant I am to wreck our good work after she's finally sleeping all night in her own bed. So we thought we would ask an expert. We'd love any advice. 
look totally normal for a four-year-old to be wearing night nappies and and not having perfect bladder control overnight i would not be concerned in the slightest that always takes you know sometimes a lot longer than the daytime training to um to get through so you know you have the option of like you said waking her up you know before you guys go to bed taking a half seat to the toilet um i know some people do that and it works child does a, a, a wee half asleep didn't work for me I was just kind of ended up having to wake them up and then you know just like you're worried about that ruined the whole sleep so um you know you can you have that choice of doing that to see if that helps um or just let her you know let her sleep get your sleep and don't worry about it too much um give it another few months before you start thinking about if there's more intervention needed but I, I would not be concerned about nighttime nappies at all you've got the daytime sorted and you've got your sleep at night, you're winning. Yeah, totally. <laughs> this question comes from Holly. She says, I'd love any tips for getting rid of rid of cradle cap. My baby girl is eight weeks old and still has quite thick patches of it that nothing seems to touch. I've been advised by the maternal health nurse to try oil, to try olive oil and that softens it up, but it doesn't really take it away. Is this normal at this age and what else can I do to get it to settle down? Yeah, oh, look, cradle cap can be really, um, it, it's not pretty. It doesn't hurt the child at all. And I know it's not pretty. It's something that we can easily get caught up in thinking that we have to fix it. I know my firstborn had terrible cradle cap and I tried all the things, um, olive oil, special creams from the chemist. Nothing got rid of it at all. Except all I did was make it look more red and angry. So we just started wearing hats a lot because it looked, <laughs> it looked very nice. Um, and then it just went away by itself. I don't even know how it went away. So I don't have, you know, uh, I'm not coming from a medical background. I don't have any other ideas. And I would say the maternal health nurse is probably someone who knows best. Um, and if the olive oil, you know, was working slowly, but surely maybe just stick to that, um, you know, using a gentle face cloth to kind of wipe, wipe it off the next day. Um, but other than that, try not to worry about it. It's really normal. There's nothing you're doing wrong. It's nothing dirty or anything like that. Um, and it bothers us more than it bothers our babies. So, Try not to get too caught up in it, and it should resolve itself. If you're concerned, go to your GP or maybe check in with the pharmacist to see if there's any other miracle products on the market. Um, I just remember from my own experience, like nothing worked, so I just kind of had to concede defeat. But it doesn't hurt to keep asking. We've got a question now from Melanie. Hi, Karina. I'd love some tips on weaning my two-year-old off breastfeeding. Obviously, at this age, he's just suckling for comfort, not nutrition. And I've been very happy to continue with one or two cuddles slash feed sessions per day for as long as he needed that comfort. However, it's not just one or two times lately. For the past three months, he's been begging for it more and more and having almighty tantrums when I say no or try to limit it to just one or two per day. He's also refusing his day nap unless he gets a feed first and began waking at night again. He's begun waking at night again and begging, crying for more booby when he wakes. I do think he's teething at the moment, so I understand that more comfort may be needed. However, I don't think it's always that. I think it may be time to wean, or at the very least, I really need to learn some ways to deal with the tantrums and bring, back, bring it back to just a bedtime feed. Do you have any tips or advice for me? Oh, it's a tricky one because we're going into tantrum territory here. Um, look, as far as breastfeeding beyond two years goes, there are still nutritional benefits. So um, although you say that it is just for comfort, sure, it's just, it's absolutely for comfort, but there are still nutritional benefits as well. So no problem in continuing to feed, but obviously it's got to work 
for both of you as well. Um, and I totally get that it seems to be increasing. Just when you were thinking, I might try and get my boobs back, um, the feed, the demands for feeds seem to be increasing. Um, sometimes it depends on how you're approaching it. If you're a little bit stressed and tense when, you know, giving into the feeds, um, your toddler's going to pick up on that and probably want them more because it represents comfort and security and they're, maybe they're worried um, that you, are, you want to take them away so they want more of it or maybe they're just kind of a bit stressed about the whole situation too and breastfeeding eases that stress. So just keep that in mind as well. Um, have a think about what your goals are. So, yes, you want to get back to the one or two feeds a day. So perhaps it's time to maybe put a boundary in place um, and talk to your toddler about it. So this age is, even though it gets tough with the tantrums, the, the toddler stage is also good because they do understand pretty much everything that you're saying. They might not articulate back that they can hear you and understand you, but your toddler can understand you. So if you if you start talking about we're going to limit the breastfeeds now, you know, in, in the language that he responds to, um, maybe pick a feed that you'd like to stop, whether it's a lunchtime feed or whatever it is, um, and stop that. And talk to him about that in the lead up to stopping that and also have a little backup plan for an activity to um, replace whatever that feed was. So if he normally has a feed when he wakes or when he goes to sleep at um, lunchtime or when he wakes up, have a different activity plan for that. Um, and even if you, if you want to go to a bottle, that's okay. If it's for comfort and the sucking helps, replacing the feed or slowly reducing the feed and then replacing it with a bottle could be a way, a way forward. Um, if you don't want to use a bottle, maybe try some other strategy. So if it was feeding for a lunchtime nap, maybe a little bit of a feed, then end that feed early and replace it with something else, some other soothing activity. Or to pick, pick whatever feed is easiest during the day to uh, avoid or to shorten and avoid and distract with another activity. I hope that helps. Mm, they all when they're older as well it's harder in a way isn't it because they're so used to having that breastfeed yeah. so it takes and time. As well. yeah yeah very yeah. hard tantrums um my kids are still having tantrums and they're way older than that but anyway um we have a question from kirsty farthing on the facebook live she says hi guys my 19 month old has been an amazing night sleeper but now it's the complete opposite she wakes up screaming my guess is night terrors question mark she then takes over two and a half hours to settle i miss my sleep please help oh gosh two and a half um, hours to settle that is really tough and she look if she used to be a really good sleeper she's obviously going through some sort of stage so fingers crossed it's going to pass I guess you're going to have to do whatever um, it takes to get through this uh, I'm not sure what's going to help what helps you get her to sleep in the end um, you know whether it's bed sharing or um, feeding or rocking or whatever it is it's totally fine to do all that if that's going to help her get through this rough patch Make sure that you're putting her to bed not to, at, at a decent time. Sometimes we get caught up um, here in Australia putting our kids to bed really early. So make sure your, her bedtime is um, around 8 o'clock is totally fine because we don't want her to have actually gone to bed so early that she's woken up and she's kind of split, she's got a split night thing going on. So at this age, what did they say, 19 months? Yes, 19 months. Yeah, yeah. So she'll still be having a decent day nap. Um, up well before 5 p.m. from that, that day nap and then bedtime at around 8 p.m. And they should, that's about 10, 10 to 11 hours of sleep they need overnight. Um, as far as, look, if she was sleeping perfectly well, as if you've got those things sorted, sorted so the bedtime isn't too early 
Um, the nap is still happening in the day, so we're not overtired or anything and putting to bed extra early because Bob hasn't slept in the day. If you've got those things sorted, then I guess we have to assume that this is kind of a transient thing and you're just going to have to hang in there and help her. Tag team with your partner to help. I, two and a half hours in the middle of the night is just crazy making. So do get some help from your partner or have your partner get up early in the morning so that you can sleep in a little bit more and catch up on that sleep. Um, and just, yeah, I guess it's just kind of get, do whatever it takes to support your bub to get back to sleep um, and get back on track. Yeah. The only thing that I would add, because I've done a number of interviews on it, is that night terrors are very specific things, aren't they? So um, if she's going through night terrors, it's going to be um, you won't be able to uh, interact with her she'll look like she's disengaged yeah. it's yeah. not a matter of going in and comforting her um there's it's it's actually a neurological thing that's happening with night terrors and it's very very distinct it's not just waking up and crying and being unable to settle yes. so if she's responding to you then she's not got night terrors if she's not responding to you quite possibly it could be um, and then you probably need to seek further help because night terrors are, are quite a specific thing yeah, yeah, they are, absolutely. Um, now, and I do have, we do have interviews on it. So if you'd like, um, I might try and find that for you, Kirsty, and put a link through to the specifics of Night Terrors because I've definitely done those interviews before. Um, this one question comes from Sandy from our helpline group. She says, hi, Karina, I have twins that are 10 weeks old. I'm trying to set up a sleep routine for them, but it's been very difficult, especially in the night. One sleeps from 8 till 11.30 p.m., wakes for milk, then wakes almost every hour crying. Then I have to hold him to make him sleep again. They both have colic too. Do you have any suggestions to improve their sleep? That's tough, isn't it? That is so tough. Yeah, look, and the advice for twins is always get them on a routine straight away. You know, you won't look back. It's the only way to survive. Um, but in actual fact, it's not it's not that doable because you can have two, two different little people with different needs and different personalities. So um, it sounds like you've got one that needs you a lot at night. Um, sounds like they both need you in the day. There's not a lot mentioned about colic, and I guess it's worth just mentioning that colicky behaviour in, in um, babies of this age is obviously it's not always like down to a medical condition or something wrong with them. It, quite often it's just a neurological state of mind um, where they're just basically adjusting to being in the outside world. I don't know if your twins are premie or sometimes twins are, are premie, so that extends that kind of fourth trimester concept. But in terms of colicky babies, quite often the, the solution is to cuddle them, um, give them lots of physical contact, lots of attention and love, which kind of flies in the face of routine, right, which is why we get into such a pickle. Um, so in terms of looking after the colic, yeah, they're going to need lots of cuddles and lots of um, attention and security and warmth and all those sorts of things. Hopefully that will ease the crying behaviour because excessive crying in twin babies is very, <laughs> very stressful. I hope you've got some help as well to kind of get, give you some support with that. Um, as far as sleep goes, look, I'm going to really support you not to get caught up in routine for babies of this age, even though, you know, in theory it's great. Get the twins on a routine so they wake up at exactly the same time, you feed them, they go back to sleep. But that's just theoretic. In real life, that's not always going to work out as you're discovering. So um, try to remove yourself from any pressure to get them to go with a routine and just work with what you've got. So if one baby's sleeping okay overnight, great. Work on the other baby. Um, 
Waking every hour is a little excessive, so I guess it might be worth checking in with your maternal health nurse just to make sure, check in how feeding's going across the 24-hour period. Make sure that Bubby's getting enough milk and using through whatever means you're using. Um, and maybe even get some extra help with some settling techniques to help your um, baby stay asleep for longer. So definitely swaddling, probably still at this age. 10 weeks is still okay to swaddle as long as babies aren't showing any signs of rolling. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's hard to say any more without more information. But I would definitely say, you know, don't worry about routine at this age. Revisit that in about a month. Um, it's just important to kind of respond to your baby's needs so that everyone stays as least stressful as possible. I think we've got time for one last question, Karina. This one comes from Akira. She says, uh, my three-year-old son has been toilet trained for about six months now, except that he will not do a poo in the toilet. He waits until we put a night nappy on him. This has caused pretty serious constipation issues though, which is making him more resistant to doing a poo because he's scared it will hurt. And now we seem to be stuck in a vicious cycle. I have upped his diet with fiber and fruit and he has plenty to drink, but he still is constipated and it's painful for him. Any advice? Oh, poor little thing. Um, look, I, again, really normal for um, toilet training kids to go fine with wheeze and poos for sometimes to take a, a lot longer to get used to going using doing poos on the toilet. So that's totally fine. I would uh, perhaps look at giving uh, giving um, the guy nap the nappy anytime he's ready for a poo. Let him be in charge of that. If you need a poo, go get your nappy. You know what to do. Put it on. Um, and do your poo and let him come to the poo party on the toilet when he's ready. Um, I actually remember my second child when I was toilet training her, the weeds were going fine, but the poo yeah, took a long time to get to until one day she was, I was watching her on the toilet. She was doing a number one and then she just suddenly announced, hey, I'm going to do a number two and, and out it came. So it, was, it happened when she was ready. Like we didn't pressure her or anything kind of knowing second child we kind of knew it would happen in its own time um and sometimes we just have to let kids do the processing up here and let them decide when they're mentally ready for the poo it, it can be it can be quite a strange sensation doing one of those in the toilet um and definitely i can relate you know i can understand it would be upsetting to, to think that the poo's going to hurt you so you'd be even less likely to do it um and then it just compounds the problem of course you get into that vicious cycle so let let your little person grab the nappy and do their poos in the nappy until they're ready. They're going to keep going to the toilet for wheeze anyway. Eventually the poo will arrive. Oh, and in the meantime, of course, keep poo talk nice and normal. Um, you know, I know it sounds gross, but it's fine to just let your kids know when you're doing a number two. And if they want to watch, that's it's weird, but it's it's fine because they can see that it's a, it's a normal process. It's totally fine. Um, and one day they can do it too. That kind of just normalises the whole situation. We'll get there. Well, Karina, that's all we have time for. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with everyone. And um, I should, I'd also like to mention to everyone that if you are having a few challenges right now and five minutes with Karina is not enough, Karina is part of our Babyology Sleep School along with other experts, Chris Minogue and Joe Ryan. And you can basically book a one-on-one -on -one with any of our experts where, um, Karina, you get a much greater chance to ask those questions, those, those bits and those details that were missing there in some of the comments. You can go in and ask and find out how people are parenting, what their style is, um, and have a good solid time working it out, right? 
yeah, yeah. And sometimes other things come into um, come to the light, and you know, because I have a different perspective to them, we can kind of talk about the other things that um, they might not have noticed, and, and that might be able to help them as well. And it's also more private. You know, you can do one on one is a little more private than live on Facebook. So <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Good point. Yeah. Um, so we'll pop links in the notes of this episode if you're interested in booking one on one with one of our experts. And um, Karina, thank you again, and we'll see you soon. No thank you. Have a lovely day. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Next week, Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue will be on the show and um, I will see you all next week. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.